0: Well hello everybody and welcome to another exciting edition of Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast from uh, the Solar Centre for Public Christianity. My name is Andy Bannister and I'm joined as ever uh, by my effervescence, I'm running out of adjectives on this show, co-host Christy Mayer uh, from the other end of the country down in London. Christy, how is uh, life at your end of the UK today?
1: Oh, it's doing well, thanks. Apart from the uh, the miserable football results last night, which I can't remember commenting on. I never knew that, do that. But um, Germany, be hungry. It's very sad. But apart from that... For the thanks. next
0: 35 minutes, we're going to have to use the word soccer if we reference uh, sport, because we are joined, our guest on Pep Talk today, we are joined all the way from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, where football means entirely something else. We are joined by uh, Mike Lacona. Mike, welcome to Pep Talk. Well, thanks, Andy. Christy, great to be with you both um mike you wear a whole number of hats but uh you are the author of many many books uh you are an associate professor of theology at houston baptist uh university and you also head up and run an organization uh called risen jesus uh which is probably the best way for people to find you which is a nice kind of link in right to the kind of thing that you are perhaps most famous for you are you are an expert on the resurrection right this has been your your area of sort of study and passion for for some time now right
2: it has been since uh, probably around uh, 1997.
0: Now, that'd be great to have you, you know, on the on the podcast because, of course, you know, resurrection is central to Christian faith. But I, I meet many Christians who are so sort I'm of almost sadly a bit nervous about talking about the resurrection, right? Because it's a, it's a miracle. They don't know what to do if their friends say, "Well, what do you mean, resurrection? You know, dead people stay dead." Um, You've been thinking about these things for a long time. You've thought about them at a very high academic level. You're also a brilliant communicator at a more popular level. So I suppose at that, 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 that latter end of the spectrum, how can Christians perhaps begin to get a bit more confident in talking about the resurrection with, with sceptical friends? How, what are ways that we can talk about the resurrection that are compelling and persuasive?
2: Well, one thing uh, a believer can do is simply read up on this. So there's plenty of books on the resurrection. Um, and I've written one, a very large one, um, The Resurrection of Jesus, A New Historiographical Approach. Um, I've w- written one on how to speak uh, with Muslims on the fate of Jesus called Paul Meets Muhammad. Gary Habermas and I have uh, co-authored one together, The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus, which is a fairly, um, uh, e- very easy read. Um, you know, Bill Craig, William Lane Craig has one, the sun rises. Um, I mean, there's, there's many books out there on the topic. Um, so that's one thing you can do. You can watch debates. I, I've been engaged in several debates on the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, you can see those on my YouTube channel, Mike Lacona. um, Gary Habermas has been in several debates, so has William Lane Craig. So you can watch debates on the topic. You can read books on the topic. I've got some lectures on the topic on my YouTube channel. So um, there's plenty of material out there for them to become – anyone who's interested can become more than familiar with the material.
1: Thanks, right. I'm sure we'll put some uh, links up on when this goes up um, online. How would you, I mean, resurrection, when we when we talk about that, and, and often for us as Christians, when we hear that word, I think we can often think, gosh, this is just a huge piece of theology. And I have absolutely no idea how to go about um, sharing this um, with my next door neighbour, what kind of how would you go about even starting a conversation on the resurrection with someone you meet at the supermarket or your next door neighbour, what would you want to kind of bring out and um, yeah, help them to, to see?
2: Well that's a good question Christy and it, it's it. I have to give a broad answer, it's kind of I, I used to be in the martial arts, I used to be an instructor with Taekwondo and So it's like someone saying, well, what do you do if a person punches at you? Well, there's just a thousand different things you could do. And what angle are they coming from? Um, Are they just throwing a haymaker punch? Are they throwing a straight punch? You know, what kind of punch is it? Um, Where are you at the time? You know, all kinds of of things that are. And same thing with this. Uh, You know, how do you get in a conversation conversation on the resurrection of Jesus? Just depends where you are who you're speaking with. Um, For me. Most of my conversations happen in lectures or debates Um, or when I'm flying on an airplane. You know, I'll be sitting next to someone and, you know, there you are for the flight, right? They're going to be sitting there. I'm going to be sitting there. And so I say to them, hey, how's it going? You know, I live in the Atlanta area. And so I'm flying out of Atlanta all the time. I mean, it's the busiest airport in the world. And uh, it's a great place. Atlanta is a great place to live if you fly a lot because it's the hub for Delta. And it's like the joke we have here is everybody's going to heaven or hell, but no one's going to get there without first going through Atlanta. <laughs> and, um, so, um, you know, you, you sit next to someone and Hey, what do you, you know, why are you headed to San Antonio? Say we're going to San Antonio, Texas. Well, what, what's going on there? Oh, you got work there. What do you do for a living? You know, you talk to this person for maybe 10 minutes, get to know them. And then it's just natural for them to say, well, what do you do? Well, I, am a new Testament historian. I, 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 teach new Testament at Houston Baptist university. And, uh, I, I focus mainly on historical issues. Uh, and what we can prove about Jesus, especially his resurrection, or the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Boom. You know, there it is. I've just introduced the topic. And you know, sometimes they it's like throwing out some some, you know, you're fishing and you're throwing out the the bait, and sometimes they grab it and they say, Hey, well, really? There's evidence? Like what? Now you're in the conversation. And sometimes they go, Oh, and then they just turn away. And then it's like cool. Now I can read the rest of the trip. So, um, you know, that's how I do it.
0: Hmm. I, I think the other thing that's great about, about that, that I love those kind of airplane kind of conversations. Cause you say, if you spend the first five, 10 minutes building rapport with, with the person, they're then likely to turn to you. I remember when I was sort of New and into apologetics that you know and didn't know half the stuff that that i know now i actually found reading a reading a good book can be helpful because again on airplanes that often comes that moment if you've already started a conversation oh you know what are you reading and to sort of say well i'm reading this book by this guy called mike lacona and he's you know he's an expert on the resurrection and and it's really interesting um you know you're in you can use the book you're reading right to to do the same thing if you're not off to give a, a lecture but um but Mike what what would you say are the some of the the kind of pushbacks that that you 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 hear because obviously you know you you raise this kind of stuff you raise the resurrection what are some of the, the challenges is it just the, the old kind of well you know dead men stay dead is there are there other things that you know when you have particularly those more lower level well higher level in the case of airplane um, conversations that that people throw <laughs> So yeah, the first one's free. I'm here a week. Um, what are what are some of the responses that 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 people will throw back uh, at you?
2: Oh, well, a lot of them, and you know, one that you just said uh, comes uh, often, and uh, even that one's given in the academic uh, on the academic level, It's just stated differently. You know, just saying, well, historians can only look at natural things, and you know, like Bart Ehrman would say. A uh, miracle, by the very definition, is the least probable explanation, and historians must choose the most probable, therefore they can never choose a miracle. So, I mean, it's the same kind of thing as saying, well, when people die, they stay dead. They don't come back, you know, from the dead. And to that, I would just say, well, you're right. They don't come back from the dead by natural causes. We know that from science. But there is nothing scientific, uh, uh anti-science that would say, well, God raised Jesus, or that Jesus came back from uh, supernatural cause of some sort. So, uh, you know, we've got enough background knowledge to suggest that there is more to reality than just what we see. And then I'll usually, I'll I'll bring up four lines of evidence. You know, there's well-evidenced near-death experiences. um, Where a person dies, they have an out-of-body experience, and you know, in, in many cases, they obtain accurate information they could not have otherwise known, and these things can be corroborated. So, I might give an example or two of that. You have veridical apparitions; that is, a uh, a person sees they they see a spirit being, someone of a, a of a dead person, appearing before them, and that apparition imparts accurate information to that person they could have not they could not have otherwise known. I can give them some examples of that. You have extreme answered prayer now any of us who have been a christian for a while understand that you know or we can cite a number of answered prayers but there are some answered prayers that are just so amazing that to claim coincidence would seem to be the least plausible explanation and uh, we might have a handful of those if we've been a christian for a while that we can mention so we can mention extreme answered prayer and then of course there's paranormal phenomena which as a Christian, I interpret some of that as demonic. Um, so even if you don't want to interpret it as demonic, there's just paranormal information out there. Um, that, that's, you know, it, it's very believable because of the evidence for it. So I, I've experienced it myself. And when you experience some of that those things, um, you know, you just can't deny it. Now, some, many people haven't experienced it. Now, you go to other countries like third world third world countries, A lot of people experience paranormal phenomena. In the West, they don't experience it a whole lot. I think there's some reasons for that, but, you know, that's a different matter. So I can bring up all these different reasons for thinking there is a spiritual dimension of reality, and that renders something like the resurrection of Jesus plausible.
1: That's such an encouragement um, to hear, Mike, because I think often, uh, particularly in the UK and perhaps in the States and continental Europe to some extent, We, after like the Second World War, you know, obviously after the Lisbon earthquake, after so many um, historical events that have happened, we're just living in such a closed universe where it is purely kind of driven by scientific um, materialism and trying to kind of help people to see that actually we live in a world that is just suffused with (laughs) with more than what we can see and taste and hear and, and, and touch. And um, are there other ways that you'd go about? So it sounds like um thinking about the paranormal, opening people up to that spiritual dimension. What has this looked like for you in in conversations uh, with with people that, that you know and love? Are there other routes as well that you might bring in to show that actually resurrection makes the most sense in an open universe? How would you go about pushing and probing and nudging. Would you say that that's the main kind of um, point of connection in our society today, considering the paranormal?
2: Well, Christy, I I find there's going to be varied reactions. So some are going to be quite open to it. Some have experienced it themselves. So for example, I had a debate with uh, Matt Dillahunty a few years back. It's been my most viewed debate on my YouTube channel. It's got over 600,000 views on my channel alone. Uh, and well over 100,000 views on Matt's channel. Um, There was uh, one skeptic who sent me a private message and said that he has had, in that debate, I mentioned some of these paranormal phenomena that I said a couple of minutes ago. And a skeptic contacted me via email and said, or email or Facebook, I forgot which, and said uh, he had experienced something like that. And it really scared him. And he remains afraid of these kinds of things to this very day. And I said, well, how do you think that fits into an atheistic worldview? He says, well, I don't think it does. So, um, you know, that can have some impact uh, by by sharing these things. Now, on the other hand, if you, if you look at the comments on my YouTube channel, under the Matt Dillahunty debate, you'll see 99.9% of them <laughs> are atheist trolls who mock me for those kinds of things. And In fact, um, someone pointed out to me the other day that on – my wiki page uh, on uh, wikipedia the my entry there which i I don't really have any control over in fact a year or two ago somebody got on and just changed a bunch of things and then uh, a friend of mine and then my wife tried to change some things and both of them got banned and and were prohibited from changing things and recently someone just added to it That I believe in ghosts and the efficacy of Ouija boards. So, you know, I I tell a story about someone uh, in that debate who had a Ouija board, and she had studied witchcraft. Her mom was a witch. Her grandmother was a witch, and some really amazing stuff happened with this. But you know, skeptics will spin this thing in such a way as to make Mm -hmm. you try to look foolish and gullible. But you know, for anyone who's experienced this kind of stuff, it's just undeniable so um you know so yeah that Hmm. i some people are open to it some people aren't Hmm. so i i just don't get hung up on those things and just let the lord work in any way he wants to yeah
0: i think you're you know i think you're right at mike that i think there is i think there's more of a actual even here in the west i think there's more of a sort of low level appreciation of sort of spiritual things than people sometimes like to let on i i still remember when i moved to I'm in the UK now, but before then was in Canada. And I remember when I moved to Canada in 2010, you know, very secular country, so I was led to believe. And you know, my first year there was in Vancouver, got a small flight from Vancouver to Vancouver Island. And the in-flight magazine on this small kind of internal flight, eight-page magazine, six of those pages were devoted to ghosts. You know, how to know if your ho- your house has one, how to get it on your side, all this kind of stuff. I remember reading it thinking, this in secular Canada. I suppose my, my question would be so if we run across this 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 kind of stuff or i've had friends say to me they were talking to colleagues at work and their colleague brought up the supernatural and stuff. I think it's more of a sloshing around how do we how do we then connect that to the gospel because i think i think one of two things happens right i think either christians get so frightened that gosh this stuff is demonic therefore i actually need to almost jump on it so hard i actually scare my non-christian friend cut kind it of off or they just run the other way and have no idea how you would bridge from that to the, to the gospel. So, you know, so suppose that these kind of themes come up in a conversation, what's the connecting point across then to the gospel and, 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 the, and the resurrection?
2: Well, I mean, that's another question. Like, well, what happens if someone I know. goes to help What do I do? Well, what kind of cake is it? You know, and all that. So, um, I mean, I, I would just say, okay, yeah, well, I think there's significant evidence out there that suggests there is a spiritual dimension of reality. And no doubt some of those reports, some of the reports we have are poor, but some of them we have are, are quite good. And then I might just give them one and say, look, if there is a spiritual dimension of reality... Um, you know, that renders something like the resurrection of Jesus plausible. And indeed, we have some very good historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. And then they might say, well, like what? <laughs> well, then I'm in the conversation now and I can present some, you know, simple case for the resurrection or depending who I'm talking with. You know, I can present a very simple case or a more sophisticated case for the resurrection of Jesus.
0: Hmm. Might even... So much kind of fascinating stuff you kind of shared in the last kind of sixteen minutes, and you know we've got a we've got sort of three or three or four minutes left. And I thought you know great questions that I'd love to sort of ask as we come in for a for a landing. There's another airplane-related uh, pun there for you. Um, you know, you shared that story of that that conversation with uh, on on the aircraft. I know you've also had loads of these kind of conversations with people. As you look back on you know. I won't, I won't embarrass you. by saying how many years of talking about resurrection things. Are there kind of other stories that, you know, in your mind as highlights the way God has worked in surprising ways as you brought these things up in conversation? Any, any kind of sort of stories that you're happy you'd like to share with us as we uh, as we as we bring this towards the, the, the close?
2: Sure. I mean, I've got countless stories yeah. um, that I could give. Uh, the very first time I spoke on a college campus, it was at St. Leo's University in Virginia Beach uh, at a, a naval base called Damneck and um in virginia beach and um i lectured on the resurrection of jesus they brought me into lecture give like a two two and a half hour lecture on the resurrection of jesus and the students were active military retired military reserve uh spouses of military and so a very eclectic group all right and um and and at, at the end during the q a this this one guy says so if the resurrection the evidence is so good, then why don't Jews today believe it? Before I could answer it, a girl in the front row said, well, I'd like to answer that. I said, well, go ahead. She said, well, I'm a Jew. And what you said to, today would offend many Jews. Um, and then she went on to say uh, in her Jewish family, the, her mom would say, you are never to mention the name Jesus in this house. And she said, when I joined the military, I had some friends. They took me to church. It was kind of neat. But I really didn't understand what was going on. But now that you've explained evidence for the resurrection, I believe Jesus is Messiah. And I want to know, how can I be a Christian and maintain my Jewish heritage? That's the very first time I lectured on the resurrection of Jesus uh, on a college campus. It's like, that's pretty cool. Um, I mentioned the Matt Dillahoney debate. Well, I was in Chicago a year and a half ago, and a guy came up to me and he said, hey, I want to thank you. I was a militant atheist when you debated Dillahoney. And I, uh, I, I used to go online and really put down Christians. And now, you know, I look at it. Uh, I watched your debate. I became a Christian as a result. And now I talk to skeptics using the same arguments you used during that Dillahunty debate. And one other thing I just mentioned, I, I, like I said, I could go on and on and on. And to be, you know, uh, I used to have a group called the Dream Team. And uh, we'd get together every two weeks and we'd talk about stuff. And there was a Muslim in that group. And a few of us would just share the evidence for the resurrection. And I went and I, and I ended up um, uh, debating Shabir Ali, and the Muslim attended that debate. And then, afterward, this Muslim and I continued to talk, but especially talked with another one a member in the group whose name is David Wood. You may have heard of David Wood. And um, anyway, sooner or later, this guy became a Christian and he ended up getting into full time Christian ministry and writing some best selling books. His name is Nabil Qureshi. So, um, you know, apologetics has some really good things. The evidence for the resurrection is very good. It's persuasive to many people. Um, I'm a Christian today. I remain a Christian because the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus is quite strong.
1: Mike, thank you so much for your for your time and for your wisdom and, and for your stories. As as ever, I feel like we could, we could carry on. I'd love to hear more about how the law has been powerfully setting up these conversations for you. thanks so so much for joining us Mike thank you to you Andy Bannister too and to our wonderful listeners as ever Uh, this is all we have time for in today's episode of Pep Talk but we'll be back in a couple of weeks time with our next guest thanks so much for tuning in and see you soon Bye.
0: bye